This is your host, Paul Thompson, and thank you for listening to another edition of Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. This week, I'll be talking to Luis Colon, a former Kansas State University basketball player and current youth social worker at Sheffield Place in the historic Northeast. As you'll find, Cologne moved to America from Puerto Rico when he was 14 years old in pursuit of a potential basketball career. And that led him to Kansas State University, where he spent four years between 2006 and 2010. I talked to Cologne about his basketball career, what he learned playing through the AAU circuit in Florida, how he became interested in youth services, what some of his most overwhelming experiences have been since he's been working in the field, and some of his success stories including how he's able to reach kids who otherwise haven't been able to make a connection with an adult mentor in their lives. After listening to this edition of the Northeast Newscast, I trust that you'll understand what it is about Cologne that makes him so compelling. Already in his short tenure at Sheffield Place, Cologne's soft-spokenness, empathetic attitude, and humble demeanor have made an impression on the staff and clientele alike. Don't just take my word for it, though. Decide for yourself, beginning with my conversation, with Luis Cologne, right now. All right, Paul Thompson here with the Northeast News, sitting right alongside Luis Cologne, new employee here at the Sheffield Place. I, actually, I, I was going to drop your title, but I just realized I, I'm not sure what it is exactly. So maybe you could start with that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like the kids case manager, youth case manager. So um, uh, Sheffield Place, I have had a role of case managers for, for all the women you know, who are in the program. Um, but it was really hard to kind of track on the, the kids' activities and kind of help them deal with trauma and do the right recommendations. So, And they needed to hire a case manager for the kids, and, you know, that's where my experience is. I have experience from Florida, South Florida, which is very severe. And also I worked over here with um, Pace's Behavioral Health, um, Mental Health, and I also worked, you know, with the system kind of under DCF with Chalnet in Florida. So I have a lot of experience working with children. I also coach basketball, um, AU teams, and, you know. So I come to be uh, good at kind of helping the kids that need a little help just to kind of move forward and dealing with their stress. Um, it's really tough to be homeless. So, you know, my point is that I was a person who, who kind of grew up in poverty, you know. Uh, out in Puerto Rico, it's a different country, but still have a lot of the similarities to this country because we're part of the USA. And, um, you know, I came to um, Florida uh, to play basketball mm-hmm. and kind of try to get a scholarship somewhere. Um, and then after that, my life kind of turned around, you know, and, and basketball has been my... Um, you know, my everything for a long time. And for those who don't know, I guess I can I can mention here that uh, you played center uh, for Kansas State University, and mm-hmm. you played for four years there, if I recall, yeah, that's right? Correct. Yeah. Can you describe what it was like? I mean, the recruiting process. Did you have somebody to kind of guide you through that, or was it something that you just kind of had to maneuver yourself? Well, it, it was actually at the time was it the toughest decision in my life. You mm-hmm. know, at that moment in high school, um, because yeah, I had several schools that were interested. Mm-hmm. Um, I had schools like UMass, Connecticut, University of Miami, you know, Kansas State. Um, in Purdue. I mean, I have a bunch of universities that were interested, um, but I, I really didn't have the idea of what it was going to be like. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's from the basketball team, but like the academics, my lack of English was kind of 
interfere with me to um because you know i was able to speak but my in my written and writing probably wasn't like in the to the college level 100 yet um right and, it's, your, um, it's your second language so right right and you're going into a university atmosphere and expected to keep up and uh right. you know keep up with the academic portion as well as a rigorous athletic schedule because so. you know in florida even though it's the usa you have spanish people all over the place right you know, in miami you don't even need to speak english you, you most people speak spanish over there <laughs> so going to a different state uh where, where it's more you know, especially in the Midwest, where the vast majority of people are Caucasians and Blacks, and you know, mm-hmm. so native, but and one or two Mexicans here. Right. And, you know, I, I I was kind of intimidated by it, but um, I think it was um, I sat down with my coach at the time, Shaky Rodriguez, down in Miami. He actually happens to be Frank Martin's mentor. He uh, was the coach of Miami Senior High mm-hmm. back in the nineties, eighties, and nineties when. Miami City High was like top five teams in the nation. You you don't Oslin play there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Blake played there. You know, like a lot of big time players. Right. And he, he coached at FIU University, and then he retired. He decided to coach again in in high school. Mm-hmm. His son was playing on my team, so um, having him as a mentor, as a coach, helped me a lot with the decision. Um, when Bob Huggins came to recruit me with Frank, you know, I kind of felt like part of the family because they have kind of like the same um, intensity of coaching. You know, they're very intense coaches. Sure. They don't sugarcoat anything, as, as we all know. And you Frank Martin was infamous for being an intense coach. Right. I mean, he went viral multiple times, I think. Yeah, most people say that, but that's because they don't know Shaky. <laughs> right. Yeah, but... Um, he learned know. it from somewhere, right? Right, right. So, you know, and that's kind of what I needed at the time because I'm a tough player. As you know, I'm a bruiser. I like mm-hmm. physical game, like contact, setting screens, <laughs> and, and I like to win. I'm, you know, I'm not the type of player that needs to score 20 points to be happy. I... I just by winning. Right. So, um, you know, coming to Kansas is tough. Um, a big difference from far away from the ocean. But, yeah, when I sat down and I had another offer from Miami, I sat down with my coach and, you know, I said, I asked him, you know, you experience uh, which coach you think that I'm going to learn the most. And he said, hands down, I think you'll learn more from Bob Huggins and, and, and Frank Martin, you know, has an incredible record in high school, and, and he's a prospect to be a, a coach in the future, and, and that kind of motivated me to wanting to make that decision. I also like their strength trainer, um, Scott Greenwall. Um, mm-hmm. He was unbelievable. I mean, that guy is so dedicated. He's still working with them in South Carolina nowadays, and mm-hmm. he, he was actually like one of the main keys of why I made that decision. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and when you're going through this process, it it sounds like you did have sort of a mentor to to lean on a little bit. Did you see any any teammates or any friends that sort of were kind of juggling those same kind of life choices, maybe not on that same level, but doing so without the benefit? I mean, did you get a chance to see people who didn't have that kind of support system? Um, yeah, I did. I did see that a lot, actually. A few. Um, for example, like AU teammates, you know, mm-hmm. that were big prospect, uh, actually, um, and you know, some. No trying to bad talk on anybody, but yeah. some coaches are just about themselves and winning games and winning championship in high school, the high school level. 
where in reality the good coaches truly care about their players you know they care about their talent but something that those coaches taught more than basketball was about your future mm-hmm. you know when you come out to the real world and how things are going to be like um, that's why I'm very blessed that nowadays I don't play basketball professionally but I am able to coexist and kind of want to assist people and help people because it's not all about basketball um, so a lot of players kind of just live the moment of basketball and wanted to do big things but they, their thoughts were bigger than their reality mm-hmm. and um, sometimes I noticed that the coaches weren't doing a good job of guiding them to the right you know making the right decision and right. and just mentioning you know the pros and cons about everything kind of like come down to it because when you're a good player you get a lot of attention mm-hmm. while, while you're playing but after basketball then what you know you have a family you you need to do something with your life if you get hurt, um, are you putting the effort into school? Are you working for the SAT, SAT score? Mm-hmm. You know, and things like that. A lot of players just failed. Right. You know, and they had great talents, but they just failed, uh, got frustrated, and just kind of quit. Right. So I, I never. They were always challenged on the basketball court, but they weren't challenged in the same way when it came to going into the classroom or right. um, focusing those efforts and that kind of intensity on. Yeah, yeah, doing your homework. <laughs> yeah, luckily I, I had a, a mentor besides Shaky Rodriguez, even before Shaky. Um, his name is Pilin Arvarez. Um, mm-hmm. This guy has helped probably hundreds of kids now in the basketball Spanish community down in Miami. Um, he has players like J.J. Barrea from Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Uh, on my AU team, I play with O.J. Mayo, you know, Elder Williams from Wake Forest, who was my teammate in high school as well. Um, uh, Danny Clemente play also with him. He's you know he's my brothers and we played together since middle school. Um, David Wortas. I mean a lot of names that I can just tell you that if it wasn't for Pelin, we would have wouldn't make it to college. He was always on us and he's still nowadays bringing players out to the, the Division One. Like Frank just recruited one of his guys from the his AU team. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's a 16 guy from mm. uh, Miami Christian School. But yeah, man, Pelini is being great, and he does it just because he loves the game, you know. And, and we're all his kids, like he says. And having mentors like that is big in this game, and, and that's kind of what I want to do. That's why I want to be a mentor for these kids. Well, and that's kind of uh, sort of what I was getting at when I asked you about this. I mean, uh, in some ways, was that an inspiration for you to kind of get into? Um, use services in the capacity that you have? Yeah, absolutely. The reason I became doing this type of work is because um, when I hurt my back, um, I started coaching AU, and uh, one of our players had tremendous um, talent, but he happened to be in the system, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, the foster care system, you're in this house today, and you don't know if when you get home, there's going to be a trash of a back trash full of your clothes that you got to go to another house or, mm-hmm. you know, just in placement to placement after placement. And their mental health is, is just all over the place. Sometimes they couldn't concentrate on the game, and sometimes people just want to quit, you know? Because sure. it's hard to not have your parents' support there when mm-hmm. you need it. And, um, that kind of motivated me and I started doing my research and talked to some case managers and I ended up um, working in mental health to be able to 
I teach coping skills to these type of kids that have a lot of talent, but they just um, can't handle it by themselves, you know. Right. And he helped me to be a better coach. He helped me to be a better person. Um, and even nowadays, I keep learning every day, man. It's, it's a blessing, you know. Only, only God knows um, how many life I touch just with the simplicity of, of giving somebody hope, building hope, creating hope for somebody, you know. And, you know, that's the reason I have this over here so kids can look at that and, and kind of understand, like, you know, uh, I come from a place similar to where you are now, right now, but only you can stop yourself from, from making it big going being somebody. Right. It's, and what you just referenced here is a, it's, a, it's a jersey. It looks like a, a game jersey from Kansas State in year 2010 and a plaque there that says Kansas State basketball. Well, first your name, uh, Luis Colon, Kansas State basketball, winning a senior class in K-State history 20, 2006 to 2010. Um, so I think that is pretty cool. And yeah. so any kid that will come in here and talk to you will have a chance to to see that and realize that you're the real deal, right? And, and might have something to tell them about uh, how to, you know, navigate and, the system. And, and, and it's just very simple. Um, hard work does pay off, you know. If anybody knows about my basketball career is that I brought it in every day, giving my 100%. And, um, and it's not only about physically bringing it 100%, it's mentally, it's being organized, it's is following the path of the people who are successful, you know, without cheating, you know. Mm-hmm. That's really hard nowadays. Everybody listens to social media, this, social media, that. But, you know, when it comes to reality, most people are kind of in my You mm-hmm. know, nobody wants the hard work. Nobody wants to be on themselves. Everybody wants help from somebody. And, right. And and that's my message, man. That's That's what I want to do. You know, I have a kid now, and... I want him to uh, be proud of his father, um, doing positive things, and and yeah, that's what my life is. Yeah. Now, uh, maybe we could go back to you're at Kansas State. Was your major? Did it have anything to do with with working with kids, or was it something you picked uh, up just by experience and working with with kids through AAU after you graduated? It, it kind of has to do something to do with my major because I took a lot of juvenile uh, delinquency classes in college and. Um, you know, I, I worked under DCF, which in order to do that, you have to go to court and testify, monitor, um, visitation of parents. Um, and there's a lot of crime, um, involved on this, you know, a lot of women have been incarcerated and they lost custody of the child and they're trying to build up again. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it has something to do with criminology, which was my measure. Um, but I, you know, I'm not a police officer or anything right. like that. I'm not a lawyer or a cop or, you know, there's a lot of similarities and things that have helped me from my college um, education. But, but yeah, the kids, man, I, I just, I, the only way we can make America great and like our president says is is to to focus on and teaching the right manners to to our children mm-hmm. because the once we're old nowadays we we live in our life and in the next 10 years most people are just going to be settled you know mm-hmm. and you know I, I, I said life really lasts 45 years after 45 most people are kind of just to their own mm-hmm. 
their own way. So, yeah, that's that's me. Can you describe uh, some of the interactions you've had with kids? I know it's it's probably been less than a month or around a month since you've been at Sheffield Place. Mm-hmm. Um, can you describe some of those interactions that you've had with kids that, that are here and going through the system? Well, um, <clears throat> a lot of kids here are very distressed. Um, a lot of kids get bullied here um, just because they're homeless. They're calling names like Bong and and their behaviors are different. You know, their mom is in a program, so... They have to have a routine mm-hmm. to come down to the whole room for three hours in the morning and they're not in school, you know, and then kind of do their own thing with their moms. And we empower the moms to kind of organize their life by themselves. We give them the tools that they need, mm-hmm. but we don't want to enable them as well. So um, it, um, when you have a parent who ends up losing everything. You know, they also lose their head, they lose their mind, and and they they tend to cope with drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And um, as we all know, um, you know, kids uh, mimic their parents. Sure. And they follow the same culture, and they kind of want to, they think their life has to be in the same way. And... Uh, my job is to stop that from happening and to kind of teach them the right way of living life and 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 that's either through sports advocating for them um setting an example um you know having their back mm-hmm. letting them bend to me you know whatever situation might be of course every kid is different and uh, i also make sure that they're healthy that they have um, you know, proper um, medical attendance. Uh, they have physical. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also working, like right now, the age is very minimal, so we don't have any um, young adults yet. Mm-hmm. It, it changes through time. But I'm working on an independent living program to kind of help them do budgets, you know, do grocery shopping, uh, cooking, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we have a lot of groups for them anti bullying. Um, uh, the moms take um, parenting groups um, we have some of our um, case managers here who are great and Miss Kelly is always you know looking for better options to help them you know she's very open about their case manager's opinion and our ideas and we meet every day I mean every day I want to kind of brainstorm on what can we do to make this program even more effective and what's the biggest or most difficult situation you've encountered thus far since you've been in this job? This job, um, you know, it's having a mom um, who's on denial about her her child's um, mental status or we don't denial about what's happening to her life, you know. Of course, I can't get into details with, you know, their privacy, but... Sure. Um... And there's a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of moms have their children in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to do all these interviews, and sometimes they need transportation. And, you know, they, they're so depressed that they don't want to get out of bed. Um, right. can be frustrating, but I empathize, you know. <clears throat> I come from a place that... Had a lot of that, so I, I empathize a lot for them. And, um, 
I try to sympathize, but, but I can't because if I do, then I will enable them. You know, I'll just give, 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 and right. and they won't get on their feet by themselves. And mm -hmm. you know, it, it's been a short time, so I couldn't tell you a whole lot of stories. But I'm sure a lot of stories are out to come. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And I know you've you've done this in other places or similar work in other places too. Do you ever find yourself feeling overwhelmed? All the time. You're kidding. <laughs> All the time. It's hard to leave um, work at work. You know, you always take work home. And my poor wife has to listen to me vent, you know, sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very overwhelming job. It's not a job, it's a lifestyle. Uh, you know, social work, when, especially when you work with kids, you truly care about them because they're, they're innocent. Mm -hmm. They think they know it all, but they don't know anything. Right. And it's really hard for us to like pass that message to, through when most people who have been involved in the life have take, taken advantage of them. Like I, I in Florida, I worked with a lot of kids who were victims of human trafficking, you know. Wow. How can I tell a kid like that to trust me, you know? They've heard it before, right? Right. From people with nefarious right. intent. Yeah. They, they've been through it all. They've been through abuse. You know, if your mother and father beat you and abuse you or, or physically or mentally, whatever the case might be, why would I trust this guy who comes over here with an accent, you know, trying to tell me how to live my life? Mm -hmm. And it's a process. It's a process. But fortunately, I was very, I, I would say I was successful at it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, over my my old job here in Kansas, in um, Wyandotte County, I I was able to touch and inspire a lot of kids, especially kids in the spectrum who mm -hmm. were very difficult to communicate with. They were able to communicate with me because. What is it about you that you think allowed you to kind of reach some of these kids? I think I do my research and I truly care for them. You know, I. I mean, my height, I don't know. <laughs> um, I I truly care. I, I try to make eye contact. I, I'm always truthful to them. I I don't lie to them, even if, if it will be on my benefit to close the case. Like, I, I tell them the consequences of all the actions, and kids like that. They appreciate that because they've been told lies a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know. And, um... When I tell them, you know, you can scream and yell all you want, I'm not going to give up on you. They kind of stop screaming and yelling because they know. And you show I, it next time. I mean it. Yeah. I mean it. I keep showing up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I asked you about uh, some of the most difficult circumstances that you've come across. So I think it's only fair that I ask you maybe about some of the most uplifting things that you've seen. Is there a success story in your career that you can point to? or just an occasion where you can say you went home and didn't have to vent you know you were able to say it was amazing today what happened at work yeah man um, I mean there's a number of kids that you know still nowadays some of my clients um, get in touch with me with me through social media they experience a lot of abuse or they were just confused about their life and just with some of my advices, they were able to follow through something in life. And I have a kid right now that that was failing all his classes in Florida, it was fronting everything. 
We didn't listen to mom, we didn't listen to the teacher. Daddy was abusive and he attempted committing suicide several times, you know, um, before I met him. And, um, you know, I sat down with him, didn't even say a word to me, didn't look up, didn't make eye contact. So I just said, you know what? I'll tell you what I know what to do. Will you, will you go to the gym with me? So I went ahead and took it to the gym. Started shooting hoops. From there, he asked me if I can teach him how to shoot, and tell him how to shoot. Next day, he was ready to go to the gym, went <laughs> to the gym. He wasn't very good at basketball. I told him that straight up. <laughs> and from there, we kind of, just like you laugh, he, right. he created, you know, a little sense of humor. He built a rapport. And, um, you know, I kind of show, talk to him about my, my life experience, some personal, you know, things that I went through in my life. And um, he decided to do Taekwondo, you know. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, he, he's been doing it. He's, he's in school passing his grades on his way to college, you know. Um, I talked to his mom about a year ago in Florida and she said that he has made a drastic change. Uh, it's very positive, um, you know, and we communicate nowadays and, you know, I feel like if he would continue to go with the lifestyle that he was having, he would be in juvie or who knows. Florida is a dangerous place, you know. Sure. So, just things like that, you know, they, they don't pay me money for that. They, you know, I just do my work. But he, he inspired me to continue to do it for other kids. And there's a number of other kids that, you know, similar situations or a kid that wouldn't talk to anyone and then started having conversations with me, you know. How do those um, moments compare with something like winning a big game in the Big 12 Conference or beating KU? Or, or something like that. Well, you I said, mean, how could you compare those moments with those kids to your best moments on basketball? You said, court? You said the word, um, you know, beating a big game is a game. Right. You know, it's an awesome game, and it's kind of, at the time, was my life. But it's still a game at the end of the day. But what I do right now is, is for the real world. It's for life. It's for society. It's to make a better you know, country, a better community. Um there's, it's like something that I, I found out is, is, is God, you know. Um, you can be happy for a short period of time, um, but joy is, is a continuing feeling, you know. When you have joy for something, even when you're angry about something, you still have joy for it. Mm -hmm. um, happiness is temporary, it's out of results of, of performance, you know. Mm -hmm. And this gives me joy. Basketball gave me happiness. Mm -hmm. What gives me joy is that, yeah, the career that I had ended up to that. And, you know, but but helping people gives me truly joy. And, 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 and I feel God. I feel good with God. You know, like I'm doing, I'm truly ex inspiring kids that need it, that don't have anything, anything else. Hmm. You know, a lot of times we think about, oh, what it's like to be poor, what it's like to have nothing. But to really be there, to really experience having houses that have roaches everywhere mm -hmm. and, 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 and no hope at all, and having to build hope and be successful at it, that's, man, that's, that feels better than, 
than not every game, but <laughs> it feels better than making it to the NCAA tournament sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. That's cool. Well, I want you to maybe fast forward here now, one year, two year, five years. How would you like to look back at your tenure at Sheffield Place, and what do you hope to accomplish during your during your time here? Well, I, I would truly like to empower our families and help kids to be in a safer place. Um, I would hope to hear the news from some of my clients, you know, going to college and doing the right thing, becoming professionals, and 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 just being positive and wanting to do similar things that I'm doing, kind of pay the favor, you know, and 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 live in a better neighborhood, pay their taxes, and just be part of society, you know, trying to find a shortcut with being rich, like most people think nowadays. Uh, you know, being wealthy is a big responsibility, and not everybody can handle it. Mm-hmm. That's why everyone is not rich. <laughs> and um, little kids want to be rich, and since they don't know how to, they try to sell drugs because they watch a movie that says, oh, if I sell drugs, I'll make a lot of money, and mm-hmm. they don't know the consequences to that. So if I can keep most of my kids away from that, then that'll make me a very joyful and happy person. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Well, Ed, I appreciate you taking the time and talking to me today and kind of diving into some of your motivations, and I wish you the best of luck at Sheffield Place and beyond. Thank you, man. Appreciate yeah. it. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Luis Colon, former Kansas State University basketball player and current youth caseworker at Sheffield Place in the historic Northeast. I encourage anyone who enjoyed this podcast to go read our accompanying piece at northeastnews.net. On behalf of the Northeast News, I'd like to thank both Louise and Sheffield Place for agreeing to participate in this story. This is Paul Thompson, signing off.